Welcome to Coffee with Kim. I'm Kim Kelp, and every week you and I sit down with fascinating, smart, and talented leaders, CEOs, and founders so that we can copy their homework. If someone knows how to do something really well, I want to know what it is and exactly how they're doing it. Get ready for aha moments, gems of wisdom, and little known tips and tricks that we can steal and use in our own lives. If you want to join these conversations and ask these experts your own questions, no point in just me having all the fun. Join us on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern live over on LinkedIn. Happy Wednesday. Big hi to Kelly and Mary and Jeff and Mark and so many amazing people that I can already see joining in the comments Sending a little good morning to you or good afternoon from Austin, Texas. If you haven't already, let us know where you're coming in from. Say hi in the chat. If you're new here, this is really fun. We do this every single Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm so excited to see so many new friends and faces here. We're going to have an amazing conversation just like we do every single week with inspiring founders, executives, experts in their field where we can learn as much as we want from them and then we just copy their homework because we're out of school because we're allowed to copy homework now so we are going to copy their homework and dig into all the things that work really well for them if you are new here I have a fun fact for you. This is an interactive conversation. It's not just Jessica and I chatting. You have a seat at this table too. That's what the comments are here for. I'm going to be asking for your input. I'm going to be asking for your feedback. If you have questions, if you have thoughts, if you see somebody else in the comment who asks a question that you know the answer to or that you have a thought on, it's right there. I'm going to need you to participate. This is an active live podcast. You are part of it. You have a seat at the table too. So big hi to Laura from Michigan, Bob from Charlottesville, Greg. Oh my goodness. We just have Katie from Finland. You might win for farthest away, but I don't know. We'll have to see because if you haven't already, drop it in the chat. Jessica is going to be really exciting today, but I don't want you to stress about taking notes. I don't want you to freak out. She's probably going to mention some books. She's probably going to mention some people. She's probably going to mention some Don't worry. I don't want you to freak out. I don't want you to have your pen frantically writing. I will send you all the notes. Shelby and I will send you all the links. We will do all the work for you. I want you to sit back. I want you to relax. I want you to sip something. I want you to join the conversation. I want you to have a fun time. So we are going to drop something in the chat. If you would like the meeting notes, if you want the tips, the resources, the links, all of it, let us know. We will send those to you via email later. No work for you. I love that. It's probably the only time on Wednesday you're going to hear that there's no work for you. (laughs) So let's dig in. As always, I hope you have already Googled our guest for today. I hope you've already Googled her. If not, we will drop her LinkedIn in the comments. You could do some clicking around and stalking her right now, but I'll give you, I'll give you a little 411, a little download before she joins us. Jessica is an amazing CEO. And like me, she is a fellow LinkedIn learning instructor. Jessica is an Emmy award-winning producer. Yes, you heard that correct. Emmy award-winning. It's amazing. She has also done not one, not two, not three, but six courses for LinkedIn learning. It's correct. Six courses for LinkedIn learning, all about how to communicate in the workplace, how to bring your best self to work. Her courses have helped over 1 million students. I know mind-blowing, right? One million bananas. Okay. So all that to say, Jessica knows a thing or two, you know, she knows what she's talking about. So I am really excited. I hope you will raise your glass wherever you are. And I hope you will help me in welcoming Jessica. Hey everyone. Hi, Kim. I have my water here with me this morning here in California, but I'm so excited to be here with you. I am so excited to have you join us. And I know I just put out a lot of hype 
on you because you do have so many things going on and so many exciting things that you're doing. But I'm really curious as someone who communicates for a living and does a lot of presentation work, how do you describe yourself or how do you introduce yourself normally? What's the elevator pitch, right? So, well, Kim, you did a really great job introducing me. I was actually smiling the entire time because honestly, I was like, you did a good job. But you know, welcome everybody. I'm so excited to be here with you, be here with you, Kim. Uh, my name is Jessica Chen. I'm the founder and CEO of Soulcast Media, and we are a business communications agency. So we work with Fortune 500 companies, individuals on just one skill, communications. Because I personally believe communications is one of the most important soft skills, not only in business, but in life. Uh, I'm happy to share a little bit more about how I got into it, but Kim, as you mentioned, I used to be uh, in news. I used to be a former news reporter. So a lot of communication skills, presentation skills, public speaking are things that I now teach people today. So love the work I do. Well, you and I are like peas in a pod because as you know, I am also so bullish and so crazy about representing yourself online, investing in yourself, making sure that you're putting your best foot forward. And I'm curious, for you, because you do a lot of this work, you know, we have a lot of overlap, even though we do two different things. The big pushback that I get from people is I don't need that, or that's not important for me. And I'm curious if you hear that a lot too. And if so, what is your take on that? Or how do you approach people who might have that attitude? So the way I see it is, so communications, because that's the work I do, goes hand in hand with increasing your visibility, visibility in the workplace. And I cannot stress enough how important it is to be visible in your workplace. And now that given that we're all in, perhaps in a remote world, hybrid remote, figuring out how to be visible to your boss, stakeholders, to your team, is really how you're going to stay top of mind. But of course, there's always an art to it. It's not just about being loud and obnoxious and boasting all the time, right? It's how can you showcase your accomplishments while also highlighting your team, but at the same time, getting your work noticed, right? So I think communications, visibility is so important. If now, you know, not ever, as now for sure, absolutely, we have to think about that. I think we have to think about it as well as communication styles change. You know, when we were in the workplace, the style might be a lot different than a lot of us are on Slack or on Zoom. It's hard to communicate necessarily. You, you miss what I call all those micro movements, like the slight little like, mm, or mm, like sometimes that can get lost in translation on video. And so I'm curious, you posted a few days ago, well, a few weeks ago on your Instagram, but I, I was so obsessed with it. You talked about mirroring and I would love for you to just touch on that and maybe talk a little bit about it for people that don't know what it is, because I found it fascinating. So mirroring is a communications technique and actually can you do it really well? And especially on video, it's actually quite important to do for a lot of us who are on video calls, because the one thing you'll notice if you're in a meeting with a lot of people, it's not as easy as verbally going, oh, because if you say, oh, out loud in a meeting, it may disrupt the flow, right? So instead, what you want to do is through your body language through your facial expression, not necessarily making a noise, but kind of copying what other people are doing. So if they're nodding your head, you know, you nod your head as well. If they're smiling, you smile as well. And that just acknowledges the person who's speaking that you hear them too. And that's just a great way to build engagement. Um, and especially because a lot of people are muted anyways, right? When you're in these Zoom or Microsoft team meetings, right? So how you mirror whoever's speaking shows you're present, shows that you're engaged. And honestly, it just shows that you are a good team member, right? Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to be looking to the side, typing away while other people are talking, right? People notice these things. So, well, and I don't know if anyone else, I, especially those of us in the chat, I don't know if anyone else has been on a conference call lately and heard people typing. <gasps> I wonder if they know that their mics are picking up like the bing, 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 because I hear it and I'm like, oh, you're typing while we're talking. I hear you. Yes, totally. I don't like it. I don't like it. 
And um, you know, the person who's speaking at that time, you know, it's kind of distracting, you know. So I would say, of course, you know, mute. But most importantly, if you're in a meeting, a 30-minute meeting, a 40-minute meeting, an hour meeting, just try to stay as present as possible. And then once you're off, you know, relax, sit back, you know, whatever. But in that meeting, just you know, try to show you're fully present because being fully present really is how you develop that executive presence, which I talk about a lot, and even that charisma, right? You have to be present for that. It's so important. And I, I feel like, especially now communication, you know, Christina makes a really good point. We've been talking about video, but, but it's also to be said when you have written words, whether it's Slack channels, Microsoft teams, emails, um, it's hard to necessarily mirror or, or it's hard to communicate tone or moods when you have written materials. And I mean, so much of your stuff, Jessica, is focused on video and presence and being in the room. But do you ever work with clients on maybe situations like this where it is via email? And I have a perfect example for that. So I'm actually working with somebody who is in uh, the finance industry, actually. And she was telling me that it took her, and she said, three hours just to write maybe like a paragraph in her email. And it was because, of course, she was nervous. She wanted to make the right impression. So she, what did she do? She would write, erase, write, erase, read, erase. And, you know, we were just, I was just like, okay, you cannot spend three hours drafting an email that is just a simple kind of like, hey, we'd love to catch up kind of thing, right? So what I will say is the more conversational you can make the email, right? The more, um, I feel like authentic it is. And now that doesn't mean that, you know, you know, you have to kind of like structure it in a way that is like bullet point, bullet point, even though that's quite important, but I truly do feel write as you speak, write it in a way that if you're in person with that person, how would you broach this topic? How would you broach this question? Whatever it is you writing in this email, keep it as conversation as possible. No long, crazy lingos. Um, and of course, the more, the shorter it is, I think people will definitely appreciate that and trust that if people have questions, they will respond with a question. So you don't have to drop an essay in your email or anything like that. So more conversational, shorter, the better. And I, I feel like people sometimes forget too, when we're, we're speaking about visuals, emails are visuals. So when you have bullet points, when you have numbers, when I can look and scan something quickly, as opposed to a just big block of, of all text, you're, you're, your eyeballs don't like that. Like just going back to what, what you're seeing, you know, the bullet points, the bullet points are helpful. I mean, to Charlie's point, you know, you read faster with these. I don't know what your experience has been. Do you, do you correct people when you see them sending you emails and say like, you shouldn't be doing that? <laughs> I personally try not to correct people unless they're asking for advice. Right. <laughs> Uh, but I will say one good tip, and this is just with speaking too, right? We have filler words that a lot of times people use, the ums, the ahs. In email, we also can have a lot of filler words. And what I mean by that are things that we say such as that, really, like we will write this in our communications in email. So if you were to review your email, those are the filler words you want to delete. So that'll keep your message more concise. I also tend to see the word like a lot in emails and verbally, if you ever watch yourself back, you, you kind of get a valley girl. Everything's like, and then like, and then like, and then she was like, and then he was like, yeah, it, it all goes downhill. I will say, <laughs> it all goes downhill. Yeah. And I will say, it's not that filler words are necessarily bad. Actually, uh, I am writing a communications book right now. And of course, every communications person says don't use filler words, but I do have a section in my book not out yet, but we'll keep you posted. Uh, that does talk about the value though of filler words. And the value of filler words is that it can soften what it is that you want to say. That could potentially be contentious or, you know, whatever sensitive. So there is value in filler words, but you just have to be judicious with it, right? So it's not always bad. <laughs> well, and I feel like Allison just asked sort of a tricky question 
the question is basically how do you, you might want to say a lot in an email. There might be a lot to explain. There might be a lot to go over, but you also don't want to make the email too long. You don't want to make it too crowded. You, you know, you want that sort of short, punchy bullet points, numbering list. How do you recommend, I'll, I'll say what I normally do, but I'm curious for your thoughts, Jessica. I always tell people, pick up the phone. I don't know why we've sort of like gotten the heebie-jeebies when it comes to picking up the phone, but pick up the phone. And I don't want to sound ageist, but but the young kids, the young kids these days, they always want to text and email. They don't want to pick up the phone, but I will. I'll sound like a grumpy, you know, 80-year-old man. But I always say if your emails are longer than, you know, a couple points or one paragraph, that's a phone call. It's a phone call, it's a Zoom call, it's an in-person meeting. I don't care what it is, but it's not an email. So I'm curious what what your thoughts on that are. I think that's a fantastic tip. And the reason why phone calls, if anything, is it can help when things get tricky because things get lost in translation when it's just through email or text because sometimes you may interpret somebody's saying something in a certain way, but of course they didn't mean it that way. And it becomes this whole sensitive dialogue and it becomes passive aggressive. You know, that's just not what you want for productivity, right? So I completely agree. If it's a sensitive, timely topic, pick up the phone and be like, just really quickly, hey, I just had a really quick question about this and I just want to make sure we're on the same page. What are your thoughts on A, B, and C? Quick, sweet, easy. It puts everyone on the same page and everyone can move on and not doubt or question whether this person's mad at me or not because you already had that conversation. So um, I will be an 80 year old grandma and, you know, agree with you and say, yes, <laughs> just call sometimes. But if of course it's like the simple stuff, then yeah, do through email or text. I would, I would like to add on because someone just made this point as well. If you have more than two emails, that's also a phone call. Like if it starts to turn into an email chain of like disaster, that's mm -hmm. a phone call, a hundred percent. So I, obviously people knew that you were coming on with me today. So I got a ton of emails and questions and thoughts that people had. And one of them was from Mark, who I thought had a really interesting kind of question and topic for us to dive into a little bit, which is culture or, or passion in the workplace. And specifically his question was around if you are a passionate person or, or what I call the case of the cares, you actually care about your job. You actually care about your team. You, you actually care about the work and the things that you're doing. If something starts to go wrong or if something starts to go south, or you start to see something that you don't think is going to be beneficial it comes out as anger, mm. but, but it comes out as anger because you care. Not be, if you didn't care, you probably wouldn't get angry. Cause you'd be like, well, right. whatever. So how, how can you express yourself or maybe a disagreement at work without it turning to anger? If you are so passionate about something. Great question. And I have two answers to this and they're both connected to each other. So number one, you know, when it comes to things like this, I cannot stress the importance of emotional intelligence, right? Having that self-awareness plus social awareness, because that is going to affect how you communicate with other people. The second answer to that is really, you have to just know your audience, right? Even though you may be personally very passionate about this, depending on who you communicate with, will they care? Will it resonate with them? If it doesn't, then you have to make sure that you're tailoring your communications so that you can make sure you're speaking to their heart, right? Because what people don't want is things jammed down their throat. Like you have to care. How can you not care? Then you become like you're uh, preaching now, right? And nobody really wants that. If anything, we want a dialogue. We want conversation, right? So emotional intelligence is huge. The second one is, again, understanding your audience. The person you're trying to... Uh, share your passion with. If they don't resonate with it, try to figure out, okay, can I perhaps frame it, approach it in a way that may resonate with them because I know they care about this. So let me link it to that, right? So it's not about you in a lot of these conversations. And that's kind of like the key to communications. It's not about you. It's not about how much you know. It's about how and why it matters to the person you're speaking. 
So just always keep that in mind. It's such a good point. And by the way, I know that Jessica is dropping lots of golden nuggets right now about communicating with clarity and confidence in the workplace. Again, I have to reiterate, do not worry about copying all these notes and golden nuggets that Jessica says. We will send you the notes. We will drop a link in the comments. You can add your email. We will send you all these notes. No problem. No worries. Because I know some people probably are like, wait, EQ, wait, what? spell that again. Um, don't don't worry. We will send you the notes. Uh, but I think that's so important about really understanding. There was a phrase, oh, I'm losing it. And, and somebody correct me if they know what it is. But it's something like, um, we used to be always say, uh, uh, treat people the way you want to be treated. Oh, platinum rule. That's what it was. Uh, instead of treating people the way you want to be treated, uh, treat them the way they want to be treated. So just because you react a certain way does not mean that everybody else in your workplace is also going to react that way or also have that same communication style. And I don't, have you ever read the book? I know there's the five love languages, and I think the same author wrote one for work. Am I making that up? I don't think so. Is it Gary Chapman? Is that the author? I don't know. We might I be think it, it is. Okay. But someone right. will Google that for us. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to pop into this chat any second now. But I know what you're talking about. And I do know that. I don't think I've read the work one, though. Though that's probably a good one to read. It's, it's a totally good one to read. But I think that's important. How you communicate in the workplace and how other people communicate in the workplace. So I think that that's a, that's a good book recommendation. I haven't read it, but I read the love languages one. So I feel like it's probably just as valuable. And I liked that one. Um, I love this point about when you are talking at work, when you're communicating at work, I know this happens to me all the time. I forget what I'm going to say, or I've worked out in the shower, this monologue to my boss about, well, like, let me tell you something. And then the minute the monologue doesn't, like somebody else says something, I totally lose my train of thought, or I forget what I was going to say, or I don't know how to make my point. How do you communicate in situations where you all of a sudden get stuck? Hmm. It happens to the best of us, I really have to say. So for those who ever are like, wait, what was the point I was trying to make? Hey, I get that too sometimes. And that's because sometimes I get so like into it. I'm like, wait a second, I need to circle back now. What's this point? What's the story, right? But I will say, you know, when it comes to whatever it is that you're trying to express and you're kind of going on, just always remember this one thing. What is it that you're really trying to make the person you're talking to feel? right? Is it that you're trying to persuade them? Is it you're trying to inspire them and motivate them, um, get them to understand something, whatever it is that feeling, just make sure in your communications, you're constantly conveying that. And I think because we know, always know this quote, right? People will forget what you said, but people will always remember how you made them feel, right? It's one of the, honestly, the most, it's true. It's so true. Right. So I think if you ever go on this tangent and you're like, wait a second, what is it that I want to say? Just go back to, wait, why did I engage in this conversation? What is it that I'm trying to make this person feel? Because ultimately that's what they're going to take away anyways. Right. And then from there, it'll usually come back to you anyway. You're like, oh, right. I did have this point that I want to make. And then you kind of go on. Right. Like, yes. <laughs> I'm so curious. In fact, because I, I feel like you and I just shared something sort of personal, drop a yes in the comments if, you, if you've been like Jessica and I, and that's totally happened to you in a meeting. You've lost your train of thought, or you had this big thing to say, and then you just, you couldn't get it out. You couldn't say it because that, I know that that'll make me feel better. And so hopefully it'll make Jessica feel better too. <laughs> um, and thank you, Jen. You were right. It was Gary Chapman. Ah, oh, yes. Empowering yeah. organizations. Fuck. And again, don't worry about taking notes. We'll send you all these links. Don't, don't worry about copying the Amazon link. We got you on that. Um, Evelyn, Sonia, Cheryl, all these yeses. See, oh, Olivia, yeah. we're not alone. We're not alone. It happens. Um, I, I feel like an, sort of a similar question. I'm, I'm probably saying her name wrong, but Valon, Valon had written into me. And she was asking about, it's sort of along the same lines, but she is very shy. She's an introvert. So speaking out in the workplace is tough. 
what sort of secret sauce or tips and tricks do you give people who come to you and say, Jessica, I know I have a lot of value to offer. I know, you know, the message that I want to share, but you know, I'm super shy or, or I'm an introvert and I don't know how to, I don't know how to get the words out. I have, first of all, great question. And I, I truly resonate with that because I am an introvert and I am quite shy as well. So figuring, I know it's like, what? But that's the thing. It's something that you can learn. It's a skill you can overcome. And, and I'll just kind of give you a little background, but growing up, I was absolutely terrified of speaking up. I was that quiet person and it didn't take long for me to realize though that learning how to be a better communicator was critical to my career success. So I therefore took it upon myself to learn the skill, the art of communication. So now when I do speak, I'm not as afraid or scared or shy. Of course, do I get nervous? Of course I get nervous, especially when it comes to more like public speaking type of things, which I will say great public speakers, they still get nervous. I do tons of tons into presentations yeah, your heart still pumps, you know, your stomach still gets queasy. It happens. So don't feel that it's going to be like, once you get to a certain level, you won't feel this way. It's just that you better manage it. That's all. But coming back to communications and being a shy, introverted person, I can honestly relate to that. And I have two things. So if you are in a meeting and you know, it's important for you to speak up, but you're just like, how, when, right? I will say the earlier you speak up in a meeting, the chances of you actually speaking up goes up dramatically because all of us have been in situations where we want to say something, but we just think about it, we ruminate, we convince ourselves not to do it. And so we don't speak up at all. So I would say if you can say something within the first five to 10 minutes of a meeting, that not only warms up your own voice, but it gets people also comfortable to hearing your voice chime into a meeting. So time is key. Now, the second tip I have for that really is figuring out what is your value add. Now, we talked about earlier about how, yes, everybody has something valuable to share. Everybody has a unique perspective, expertise, knowledge, insight, whatever it is. Don't feel that what you know is not important. It is absolutely important. People need to know. People want to hear. So figuring out what your value add is right? What's that little insight that you know? Um, that is what's going to give you that edge to speak up. And combining that with time, speaking up earlier rather than later will help you. Now, if you really want support, right? If you're just like, oh, it's still too hard. You know, if you have a, a boss or, a, you know, a colleague who you really trust, you know, maybe you can express this fear and ask them to perhaps help you. So, what that means is if you're in a meeting, uh, you guys can kind of sort of tag team a little bit, kind of create this like strategy where your more confident team member can pull you into the conversation because you just can't figure out how to do it. So that's a way to approach it as well. I love this thought of getting more support. And I also love, okay, if we wanted to hack this tip of speaking first in a meeting, if we don't necessarily have anything to add or anything to, to, you know, kind of engage with the conversation, could we agree with someone else or could we compliment and at least speak up and say, you know, that's a great point, Sam, thanks for making it. Or, oh, that's a, that's a great point, Mark. Let me write that down. I mean, can you, if you don't necessarily have something, you know, a light bulb moment in the first five minutes, can you just say something Yes, absolutely. So what you're okay. kind of doing right now, Kim, is this technique that I call anchoring. So anchoring is a way for you to find the opportunity to speak up while utilizing the person who just spoke in front of you. So if somebody says, I, I want to do A, B, and C, you then go, I love A, B, and C. What do you think about X, Y, and Z? So you're basically taking the last few words that the person just said, and then you're adding onto it. And what that does is it creates less friction, right? Because you are basically creating a fluidity in your speaking versus just being like, I agree, right? You can just say, I really like A, B, and C. 
and this is my thought on whatever, or, you know, you can pose a question, but anchoring is a communications technique that causes less friction because you're not necessarily kind of just butting in or jumping in. You're actually keeping the flow going. Well, and you make a good point. I did not know it was called that, but you're right. I do try to do that because I think it's helpful for, it's kind of like a story. It kind of like mm-hmm. weaves together the story and Fun fact, I did not realize that I did that until what I try to do with these live broadcasts is to Jamie's point in the comments, I listen to them back or I watch them back and I try to critique myself. And that is something that I realized I think flows better in a conversation as opposed to what you said, which is just, I agree or yes or no, because that's sort of a harsh end do you recommend with your clients? Cause I know you have clients. Well, you have clients one-on-one where mm-hmm. you do sort of private one-on-one coaching. Then you have your membership, which is also super exciting. And then you have your LinkedIn courses. So you're kind of teaching people in a lot of different places, but do you encourage people to watch themselves back? Is that something that's helpful or only for certain clients and maybe not so much for others? It really does depend because there's some people who are actually quite good at uh, what we, you know, what's considered nonverbal communications already. So watching themselves, I feel, is more because you're trying to evaluate your nonverbal communications because you're looking at your hands, your face, uh, your shoulders, and what you're doing with it. But if we're just talking about tone, right? <laughs> you know, like, if you're just talking about tone, then that just is more audio. And what you want to listen to is just having that variety. So in regards to recording yourself and rewatching yourself, I actually do highly recommend that. And that's like the easiest thing anybody here on this LinkedIn today can do. If they want to figure out how they're communicating, how it's coming off, Yes, just record yourself, whether it's on video or audio, and then listen and just be like, huh, I do sound kind of monotoned or I do seem kind of stiff. That's a good way for you to kind of start learning how to add more emotion, personality into your conversation. Because here's one thing. I want to get rid of the notion that showing emotion, showing personality decreases your professionalism. It absolutely does not. You have to show emotion and personality in order for people to resonate and engage with you. Because just because you understand something, it doesn't mean other people understand it. And if you're communicating, what's the most important that you're pulling people in to what you're saying? So that's kind of like one of the things I wanted to share today too. When you are kind of communicating with people and sharing, I know a lot of the examples we've been talking about is how you can improve. But obviously there's going to be some situations or some workplaces where, I mean, let's just keep it real. You're sort of dealing with a jerk. You're dealing with a jerk. Um, Maybe they're trying to undermine you. Maybe they're being rude. This is a question that um, came in from El Methra. I hope I'm saying that right. But you're just, you're dealing with somebody who's not nice. And, And it doesn't matter how much work you do on yourself and your communication style, you're still dealing with this really not nice person. How do we cope with that? Or how do we deal with that? Is it just more of, you know, you can only control yourself. So you just kind of stay rock solid. It's a very, very tricky situation because workplace dynamics obviously affects how happy you are and obviously can affect your productivity as well. Because if you're constantly hitting this wall with whoever person, right, it just makes the whole experience as if work wasn't hard enough, right? And it's like, now you have to deal with the politics of it and the people, right? Um, And it's really hard to give kind of like a blanket response because honestly, it is case by case. But I will say, ask yourself this question. Is it worth having a conversation with this person? Because maybe it was one or two situations where there was a huge miscommunication, right? And you guys never talked it out. And then there's just this lingering resentment. And, you know, because you guys have never talked about it, it's just lingered within the both of you. Okay. So maybe that's something to ask yourself. Should we talk about it? And kind of like we were talking about earlier, just getting on the phone, it can be sometimes as simple as that. Like, hey, I just want to clear the air, you know, for the both of us, because, you know, perhaps you're feeling it too. I'm feeling it. And I just want to make sure 
right? That we can just get to a place where we're both, you know, able to work happily together, right? So it's just ask yourself that one question. The second question is, if you're still hitting this wall, if this person and you are just still not getting along, right? Unfortunately, we can't control other people. You know, we can't try to necessarily hope that, you know, they'll change. But what we can do is we can control how we react to situations, right? And again, this kind of goes back to emotional intelligence and just knowing what are your triggers. So knowing your triggers is how you're able to control you, perhaps spiraling into anger or frustration. But that's the thing. You have to know your own triggers and you have to catch yourself before it kind of goes down this dark rabbit hole and then it's going to take you another hour to get out of it, right? Because what you want to do is you want to just make sure that you're not hurting yourself, your productivity, your efficiency because of somebody else. So those are just my tips. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's a sticky subject. Um, you know, when I think about sticky subjects, obviously you have worked with really dynamic executives, leaders, fortune 500 companies, but then you've also worked with, you know, people that are working in the corporate workspace that, you know, they're not necessarily the CMO of a company. What is something that's like a dark rabbit hole or a sticky point that you've found that no matter what job somebody has, no matter what industry they're working with, this single thing seems to trip everybody up? One thing that I actually found very interesting across all levels is that everybody always will feel insecure about something. And this is talking about, you know, whether you're just a early first two years out of school analyst, associate, you're insecure about perhaps proving yourself, right? But I've worked with high level executives and they're insecure about making sure that, you know, they're establishing likability and credibility, right? So don't feel that, you know, when you get to the next level or you get to the highest level that everything will be rosy and great. Everybody has something that they are working on, that they are struggling with, but that's the thing. It's that everybody is trying to work on it, right? Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to get complacent and just, you know, be like, oh, it is the way it is. You know, that's not usually the kind of attitude that's going to give you that growth mindset, right? So I will say the people that I enjoy working with the most are the people who are like, Yes, I want to learn. Let's go. Teach me the skills, right? And perhaps you resonate the same way too, right, Kim? Like, these are the people who are the best to work with, the people who want to improve, right? So I will say, whether I'm working with people who are just starting out or the people at the highest level of their organization, there are still things people are insecure about, they're still struggling with, but that's the thing. They're trying to do something about it, so. Well, and I feel like that, to me, is also something that, every single person should be doing, which is investing in themselves, improving their own education, improving their own communication skills, improving how clear they are at work. I mean, you know, we have been talking and, and I had done your LinkedIn live as well. And I just think it's something that I hate when people say, well, I'll focus on that later in my career, or I don't have to worry about that now. I'm so bullish on if you graduated two years ago, you should be thinking about this. And if you've been in the workforce for 40 years, you should be thinking about this. And, and it's why, you know, I'm creating this whole Maven course. I'm hand selecting 40 people to come work with me for six weeks to focus on this stuff because it's so no one's going to do the work, but you, I tell yeah. people, it's like getting into shape. No trainer is going to make you do the push-ups. No trainer can make you do the burpees. I wish they could. I would have a six pack because I would outsource all that. I'd be like, you do the burpees for me. You do the push-ups. I hate running. Like I would, out, but you can't, you have to be the one that, that puts yourself first. And I think that that's something that I hear so clearly in a lot of your messages and your LinkedIn learning courses, which is you have to take the time to sit down and do the work. No one can do the work for you. Yes. If any, if there's any habit to start, if you haven't started already, it's the habit of learning. <laughs> that, is, that is a habit, right? So whether it's just taking an hour of your week, right, to jump into a course, like, you know, 
Kim's course or my course on LinkedIn learning, whatever it is. And plus, these courses are not even long. I mean, mine are all less than an hour. I think yours are all about less than less an hour. Than an hour yeah. Right. yeah. And that's actually the beauty of e-courses. We are forced to condense it. But anyways, the idea is making the habit of learning will help you regardless of wherever you are in your career. Because just like I said earlier, early analysts to senior level executives, the best types are the people who are constantly learning and growing. And you can do it too. Well, and not only can you do it, you you need to be doing it. <laughs> like I tell people, you know, you have to be doing this. And they're like, but then once I've made it, I'm like, you've never made it. The work never stops. It just continues forever. It's like a garden. You got to keep trimming the leaves. It just yeah. keeps growing. Gotta and you have growing. to actually trim the garden in order for the new, you know, leaves, the flowers to grow. Yeah. Maintenance, maintenance is very important. I'm curious for you, when, like, do you take time to learn? And if so, do you choose that time to just kind of go further down the rabbit hole of learning more about communications? Or do you kind of say, I'm going to go learn about something totally different? Well, that's a really good question. So it's both, actually. I still feel that even though I teach communications, I feel like I know a decent amount when it comes to communications, but there's still so much to learn. And the reason why is because People you interact with are always different. The environment is always different. Culture, society, human behavior. You know, there's so much when it comes to communications, which is why I love teaching this subject because I feel like it's never ending. It's not that communication is just about how you talk. It's not just about how you talk or what you say. It's understanding humans, how to interact with them, interpersonal relationships. All this is part of communications, right? And it's also really part of career success. But for me, my learning isn't just communications because I do feel it's quite important to have a broader understanding. So personally, I enjoy things that are nonfiction. So the books that I tend to read are generally nonfiction anyways, but they can be in different subject matters. But for me, I'm always trying to learn and understand. And I feel like that served me well in, in being open-minded. So always learning. I I am on a constant learning quest. And I love this question from Jean. I hope I'm saying your name correctly. That when you when you have other people that are trying to learn from you, you have a super technical background. So I know you were using terms earlier like mirroring and anchoring. You know, people like me uh, and maybe some of us joining us don't know those terms. But so how do you how do you communicate or teach people if you do have technical jargon, a technical job, but you need to explain whatever it is to people that might not know that same jargon or, or might not know those same terms. So it always comes down to your audience, right? And I've said this multiple times because I cannot stress enough that whoever you're speaking with, you have to tailor your communications to that person. So for example, if you're speaking to your team, and of course everybody understands your technical language, no problem. But if you're speaking to a broader audience who may have like a bird's eye view understanding, what you want to do is, yes, avoid the technical jargon. Or if you're going to drop technical jargon, make sure you qualify it by explaining what that means and how that relates to this group of people, how your engineering function relates to marketing, right? Because what you want to do is you want to make sure that whoever you're speaking with understands why it matters to them. Why does it matter to them? So when you're crafting your communications, you're planning and preparing your presentation or your speech or whatever it is, just make sure that whatever it is, bring it down to earth, bring it, your message down to earth and communicate it in a way that will make it relatable and as understandable as possible. Um, that's really just the best advice I can give. Audience, keep your audience in mind. I always say that. I always say, why should people care? Like, what is whatever it is that you're doing? Why do I care about it? Because that's how I need you to relate to me. That's what I need you to just send emails on the phone, whatever. It's, um, I forget what movie that is. Maybe like the Godfather, but I imagine he's sitting in the scene. He's like, what is, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Like, what, why, why do I care about this? And, and that's what I always, that's what I go to. That's what I envision. I just need like a slice of pizza. That's a bad accent. I actually probably should work on that, but that's what I think about. 
But that's the thing. You think about it. People think about it. Because when you're talking to somebody, what you're thinking, I mean, subconsciously is like, is this person wasting my time? Or is this person actually providing me good value, right? Of course, I would say it out loud. But what you want to be constantly doing is whoever you're communicating with, whether it's, uh, you know, you're trying to share knowledge, inspire, motivate, just keep your communications as concise as possible and just get to the point, which actually goes to one of this broadcast term is don't bury the lead. So if you have something good to say, start it out with it. Don't end with it. Just start out with it. So people are like, Ooh, I want to learn more. So, yeah. Okay. Robbie just asked a question that I was totally going to ask towards the end and we're, we're towards the end. So this is perfect. I hate when people in a conversation or a meeting or a presentation say, um, they they'll say something like they'll reference a sheet or a chart or a memo. And they'll be like, you read that, right? Or, you know what that is. Right. And they end it with like the comma, right. Question mark. As a person, I automatically want to say, yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what that is. But I actually don't sometimes. And I find myself agreeing when I actually have no idea what people are talking about. So what is a good way if you were, if you are communicating to a larger team and you want feedback from them of, are you understanding me? Or, or are you understanding what I'm telling you? What is a good way other than obviously them shaking their head yes, or maybe I guess having like a puzzled look on their face. How do you know that people are understanding the knowledge that you're dropping? So this comes down to how you ask questions, right? And I always say there's actually a difference between the kind of questions we can ask. One is the good questions, which is like, do you have any questions? Uh, any thoughts? Like that's good, right? It's a, you're, you're asking a question to kind of engage people, but there are better ways to ask questions. And what I mean by that is being specific in what it is that you're asking. So that means bring them back to a specific place and time, uh, directing them to a specific part of your presentation. So what this would sound like would be like, so if you guys remember what I said last Monday, where I pulled up the slide and I had that graph of the chart, so you're basically painting that picture for them to bring them back to that moment. And then you ask the question. Because when you just ask this open-ended, do you have any questions? 99% of the time, people will say no. But if you be specific in your questions, like, hey, last Tuesday, when I talked about um, the conversation I had with Bob, what did you think about what I said of, a, B, and C. So do you see what I'm doing? I'm actually, again, pulling people in by basically painting this picture. Plus, it gives the other person more time to think about how they want to respond. Because the reason why people say, oh, I don't have any questions is because you didn't give them time to think about it. But if you basically extend your question so it's longer, you're getting their mind thinking. And then you're triggering them to think back to that moment. So that they're like, actually, I did have a question about that. And that's because you asked that question in that way, if that makes sense. An easy out that I also give people a lot in meetings is I say, I know I just dumped a lot on you. If you're anything like me, it takes me a few hours, sometimes days <laughs> to sort of process everything. And I said, so if you have a question pop up while you're in the shower, while you're cooking dinner, for a run, you know, feel free to email me just with the question. And I feel like that also gives people a little bit of an out like, oh, sometimes Kim comes up with questions two days later. If I come up with a question two days later or two hours later, then that's okay too. I feel like that, that sometimes helps a lot. No, it does. And it, it kind of like makes people feel like not bad about actually asking you the question because they're like, oh, Kim said, yeah, it's okay to ask a question two days after the event because it's true. I thought about it in the shower, right? And then they'll actually, you know, message you. So yes, I think kind of like giving permission in a sense is a great way to kind of keep it open-ended as well. A hundred percent. Okay. We've reached my favorite part of our chat, which is basically where we just copy all your homework. You drop all these gems on us. We copy your homework. We don't actually copy it because we're going to send the meeting notes after this, but in our minds, we copy it until we get the meeting notes. So are you ready? 
Let's go. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. Yay. What is something that you have started using lately? It could be an app. It could be a program or doing lately, I guess, a product that you absolutely love. You're like, this thing is the best. I'm obsessed with it. So not endorsing them by any means, but I actually recently download, downloaded the Calm app. Um, it's that meditation app. And, and I'll tell you why I really like it. I, I've actually never really used the other ones like Headspace or things like that. My husband has, but I have not used Headspace. I've used Calm. And the reason why I like it is because every day when you open the app, they actually have a new 10-minute meditation. And it's just like low, like, you know, stress. You just literally press the button and you get that new meditation. And I don't know. I just, I personally really like it. And that's one thing that I have been trying to implement a little bit more is to do a 10 minute meditation before I start my day, before I eat breakfast, before I go downstairs, you know, just kind of like do it for 10 minutes and then start my day. And the Calm app actually has been really great because they make it very user-friendly which is a plus. I've, I've heard a lot of people say that they really like that app. I have not tried it, but this is, this is the motivation to try it. So thank you. Yeah. Okay. What is the best gift that you've given yourself or done for yourself lately? That sort of like invest in you sort of thing that you felt like was really beneficial. Okay. Two things and they're not related. <laughs> uh, one is well, this is the easiest one. I pay for massages because I like getting massages. So I'm like, I do it twice a month and I will go out to like a place and just, I have this person who I really like who does a great massage. And for me, that's just like a self care kind of thing where you're just like, oh, just relax. And you can just like relish in that moment. So yes, I treat myself to massages. So that's number one. <laughs> number two is, um, you know, if there's something that I'm like struggling with, and I really need help with, I invest the time and money to hire somebody to help me with that. And what I mean by that is, so I'm in the process of writing this book, right? And I'm up to the point where I feel like I need help in this one area. So instead of me just kind of going over and over, over my head, I was like, you know what? I just need to hire somebody who is an expert in this one area to help me with this. And even though, of course, it costs money, it was an investment, but for me, it made me feel so much better in my work because yes, I was willing to invest, you know, in this person helping me. So those are the two things, not related at all, but two kind of self-care things because it helps my mental health as well, really. That is huge. I You'll hear me talking about it all the time, but I, I joke all the time. I'm like, I'm Harry Potter and Shelby's like my Hermione. And like, she's a smart one. I'm just out there kind of waving my wand around, like blowing stuff up. So it's just, it's so, I could not agree more. It's, it's so helpful. It's so key. Okay. I have this theory that it, the old saying used to be, you're the five people, uh, you're, you're the summation of the five people that you spend mm -hmm. the most time with. But now I have this theory that because we all have these, our crazy digital devices, that it's no longer the five people that you spend the most time with in person. It's the five people that you, they're in their Instagram feed, their LinkedIn feed, their Facebook feed, their TikTok, whatever. It's also digitally as well that you kind of spend the most time consuming their messages, their content, what they're putting out. So I'm curious for you, what are maybe one or two or five brands or accounts or humans that you follow that you're just like, I love their stuff. Like it lights me up. It sets me off on like a good day. I really enjoyed following them. It's so interesting because it's, there's so many people to follow. I mean, you know, there's so many different accounts and brands and every, you know, most of it is they're, they're great. Right. But what I have found to be the most helpful, and it's actually kind of the opposite, is I've unfollowed people who I feel don't make me feel happy or, you know, joyful or productive. And I think a lot of times it's so easy just to follow, like maybe you liked this one thing, so you started following them. And before you know it, your whole feed is just like, you know, tons of different stuff, right? And it just can get overwhelming. So what I've done is I've actually, and I actually recommend this from time to time, just kind of go through who it is that you're following and clean up your account, right? You know, 
whatever it is that you're seeing that may not necessarily resonate with you anymore because you've grown, you've graduated, or it doesn't really serve you anymore, um, I think it's totally okay just to kind of like unfollow because what you want to do is you want to make sure that what you are consuming, everything that you're seeing, it kind of goes in your, it goes in your brain, right? So follow those people that are still making you happy and just unfollow those people that is just kind of fillers, right? So I think doing that has helped a lot for me. It's true. It's like the anti-follow. It's yes. the unfollow. Yes. Yes. And honestly, I, I think that. that's quite important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you could magically install this when it comes to communication to every single client you've ever worked with, every single LinkedIn learning instructor, what, or not instructor, LinkedIn learning student, uh, what would that be? What would the lesson be or? Yeah, just like, is it have more confidence? Is it go after something? Is it, you know, mm -hmm. what what is something that you wish that you could just magically kind of instill in them that maybe they don't automatically have? Early on, and this is kind of like personally speaking, I always felt that because I was more shy and introverted that I couldn't be that person that you know people would gravitate towards because I was just like how do because you know how you'll see people you're like wow people just like gravitate towards them and I was like well I'm just kind of like shy introverted person that'll never be me but I truly have found investing in my own communications and learning how to be a better speaker not just the words I say but how I communicate how I interact with people has completely changed my confidence and has made me more confident and when I do interact with people, I kind of know what to do now. Because sometimes people just kind of feel so stuck and stiff because they get nervous. They're like, I don't know what to say. How do I act? Right. But when you start to learn communications, um, Kim, and I think you can resonate with this, you start to feel confident in yourself because communications and confidence, they really go hand in hand. Um, so for those who feel like they're stuck in their speaking, they get frozen or they just don't know how to act or what to say. Communications is a skill, and it, that means it can be learned. It's not necessarily innate. Of course, some people are better communicator, better communicators than others, but if it's not something that you are naturally good at, you can learn it, and that's kind of my takeaway point. You can absolutely learn it. It's like a muscle. You got to exercise it. <laughs> yes, you do have you gotta, to exercise it. You got to work on it. <laughs> okay. It, we love homework around here. Big fans of homework. If you could give everybody a homework assignment, everybody who's joining, so Kelly, Louis, Nieti, um, Kareen, Anja, every, if you could give all of us a homework assignment, something that we should do this week, it could be watch a TV show, it could be listen to a certain podcast, um, it could be download a certain app, whatever it is, what homework assignment would you give to all of us that you think would help improve our lives and our careers? Since we're talking about communications, I would say just watch a communications course, any communications course. But because on this kind of like wavelength, and if you, you know, those who are watching right now, if they're inspired to be like, okay, I've never actually watched a communications course. I've actually never tried to learn these techniques. Maybe now, maybe this is a sign. If anything, that would be the homework. Find 30 minutes an hour. You don't have to watch the whole thing, you know, but just watch a communications course through LinkedIn Learning, and we can grow on the LinkedIn Learning or LinkedIn platform. There's tons of great stuff, lots of other great communication instructors, really, other than just myself. But just type in communication courses, and I guarantee you will find tons of great content. And that'll kind of get your mind thinking. And I think that's a great place to start. So hopefully everybody will do that. That's my homework. Oh, I love that. Okay. Jessica, if people want to keep learning from you and they want to keep accessing your knowledge and your insights, where do you spend the most time? Where should they be doing that? LinkedIn is my home, <laughs> virtually, <laughs> I guess you can say. Uh, I'm always on LinkedIn, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'm always posting communications content. In fact, that's usually all I post, uh, whether it's through video or something that I write. It's always related to communications because I'm passionate about it. So make sure to follow me there. Um, go onto our website because we have tons of resources on soulcastmedia.com and Instagram really as well. But please follow me. I'm, I'm so honored that everybody is here 
who stayed the entire time. I love it. Well, everybody, we're going to do the homework. If you do the homework, tag Jessica, tag me. I love seeing when people do homework. We'll repost. We'll chat with you about it. But definitely tag us if you end up doing and on any social platform, by the way. Tag us on any social platform if you do the homework. Remember, you don't have to take notes. We will drop a link in the comments for the meeting notes. Don't worry about it. writing down everything Jessica said. We will send it to you, not to worry. But thank you so much, Jessica, for joining. You're an absolute gem. Thank you to everybody for coming on. Again, we're going to be here same time, same place, 1 p.m. Eastern next Wednesday. So thanks, everybody. Have a good week. All right. Thank you, everyone. Good to see you, Kim. Whew, that was some good stuff. Thanks for being a part of this week's Coffee with Kim. If podcasts are your thing, subscribe to the show and you'll see a new episode appear next week in your favorite listening app. If you want to be a part of the conversation, join us live on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern over on LinkedIn. You can RSVP at getcoffeewithkim.com. I want you to have your questions answered because why should I get to have all the fun? And let's be honest, you know how to ask some hard hitting questions. My guests and I cannot wait to meet you. See you soon.